Microchips are advanced electronic devices comprising a dense network of microscopic semiconductors built in layers on a thin wafer of semiconducting material, usually silicon. These tiny circuits are normally hidden from view, but there are certain exceptions where we're allowed to peek inside at the surface layer of a microchip's silicon die. And what we're able to see when we do is truly remarkable. Layers potato chips, so light, so thin, so crisp. You can eat a million of them, but nobody can eat just one. Another flavor favorite from Frito-Lay. Eat. Sleep. Links. Repeat. Boom, let's party! This is episode 09, Chips Challenge. And here is your host, a real chip of the old block, Mark Little. Thank you, Monty. And Monty, I hope you'll forgive me for not spending a lot of time chatting with you today as I usually do. But this is a big episode about a very popular and well-regarded game. Part number 2028, Chips Challenge from Atari. So I do need to keep things moving along with all possible dispatch. Is that okay? Okay. Weeping. Gee, Monty is so needy. I heard that. This episode includes lots of info about the gameplay, music, and sound effects for Chips Challenge, plus several contemporary and recent reviews of the game, rarity scores, prices and values, and lots of trivia about Chips Challenge. Additionally, I have a bit... Let's see what I did there. ...of feedback about Chips Challenge from several of my listeners. But before we get started, I've got a few links in notes for you. Links in. For my first links in note, the administrators of the Retro Video Gamer Forum's website have sent out a call to arms to all of the retro video gaming community. Here's what the message says in part. I would like to appeal to those who are real retro supporters. Surely a retro forum is now a rare breed. Unless we continue to use the site and strike up convos, then sadly the RVG forums will continue to decline and I want to stop that. Once it's gone, that will be too late. So please take a moment, as I simply can't allow constant promo threads of your YouTube channels or podcast feeds, but you're more than welcome to bump them. Please put your expertise into the site. There are a million and one topics for you all to participate in, so please come and keep a retro forum about your retro gaming hobby alive. P.S. Along with the above, we will be performing a zero poster call, so any members who have yet to do an intro thread, please pop on and post one now to avoid the call. Cheers, all! So to all of my listeners, please consider supporting Eugenio, Jamie, and the others at the Retro Video Gamer website at retrovideogamer.co.uk. Thank you. For my second LinkedIn note, 
There's another Atari podcast in town, and that town is actually located in New Zealand. The XLXE podcast covers Atari 8-bit computers and other shenanigans. It is hosted by Adam and Bob, and they're very informative and a lot of fun to listen to, especially with their funny accents. I beg your pardon. Sorry, Monty, but you're a Brit, not a Kiwi. Anyway, it really is great to hear a podcast about Atari from someplace other than the USA. Plus, they've got two episodes up on the feeds already. But be warned, it's NSFW, so plug in your earbuds and give this wonderful podcast a try. My final LinkedIn note is really a promotion for another episode of the Handicast. Many of my listeners may already be aware, but many may not for one reason or another, that a few weeks back I posted the first ever interview episode of the Handicast. As it turns out, I was lucky enough to contact and persuade two former engineers at Epix in the early days of the Atari Lynx, both of whom are very well known in the Lynx community, to spend some time talking to me. For about an hour, they related their own experiences working at Epix and working on games for our favorite handheld console. The engineers who graciously related their memories of nearly 30 years ago were none other than Chuck Somerville, creator and level designer for today's game, Chips Challenge, and LX, or Alex Rudis, musician and sound engineer on Chips Challenge and many other Atari Lynx titles. You'll probably notice that I've sprinkled snippets from the interview throughout this episode. I must say that it was a real hoot for me to be able to talk to two such legends in the retro gaming world, and I'll never be able to thank them enough. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to check out Interview Episode 01, Chuck Somerville and Alex Rudis. You can find that episode in the usual places, Apple Podcasts or iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, or at the website AtariLinksHandicast.net. And I've also posted a video of the entire interview on YouTube. You'll find a quick link to that video in the links links in the show notes. Okay, come on, Chip. Let's make Melinda the mental marvel happy and get this episode started. It's time to talk about today's game, Chip's Challenge. statistics yes chips challenge was originally done for the links um it was because the project that i had originally started on the links was um uh, was canceled uh due to lack of my being able to actually do it <laughs> um but i we had some more time before the links was you know we had to have all the carts ready we had time before the carts had to be ready to go off to the manufacturer and uh-huh. uh, so i pitched this idea um, it was actually a, a great chance for me because up to that point, for the most part, everything I had written for Epics was not my own design. It was, you know, marketing department wants this or we think that'll sell. So, but Chip's Challenge, um, I, I, I basically was, um, you know, free to do whatever I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, let me do this game. And I designed it and um, that's how it happened. So it was actually one of the first games at Epic's idea that actually came from the heart. Chip's Challenge was released by Atari in September of 1989 at an initial retail price of $34.99. It is the final game of the five original launch titles for the Lynx that I'm covering in the Handicast. Chip's Challenge is a 128K stereo game released originally in the flat style, 
then later in the ridged style, then finally in the curved lip style cartridge. It is a multi-level maze puzzler game. The screenplay field orientation for Chips Challenge is landscape or horizontal. Chips Challenge was ported to several other systems over the years, including the Amstrad CPC, the Atari ST, the Commodore Amiga, the Commodore 64, DOS, and the ZX Spectrum all in 1990, Windows 3.x in 1991, and Windows in 2015. But the game was originally created for the Atari Lynx. There was a sequel to Chips Challenge, Chips Challenge 2 for Windows in 2015, and Chuck's Challenge 3D for Linux in 2014, for the Macintosh in 2014, for Windows in 2014, for Android in 2016, for the iPad in 2016, and for the iPhone in 2016. There are 144 levels plus four undocumented special levels that are not timed. There's also an additional secret screen that draws very slowly, a Mandelbrot set fractal image. More about that level a little later. The carton for Chips Challenge is a full color standard tab regular size carton, 5 and 3 8 inches high by 4 and 3 8 inches wide by 7 8 inches deep. There are two variations of the carton cover art, which I'll explain in a little bit. Bit. There, I said it again. There was no larger size carton released for Chips Challenge as there were for three of the other launch titles, Blue Lightning, Electrocop, and Gates of Zendokan. I'll describe the front of the original carton for Chips Challenge. Across the top of the carton is the standard gray and black cartouche that includes the Atari Fuji logo and name in white on the left corner, oriented vertically, with the Lynx yellow and red broken font logo taking up most of the top of the cartouche. Below the Lynx logo are the words Video Game Card in white block letters. Below the cartouche is the main cover art, depicting an isometric view of a boy or young man, ostensibly Chip himself, with dark, short-cropped hair and dark-rimmed glasses. He is wearing a red button-down shirt, green pants rolled at the cuffs, a brown belt with a yellow buckle, blue, orange, and white high-top shoes, and what looks like a Walkman strapped to his belt tethered to earphones around his neck. Uh, for you younger listeners, a Walkman was a very popular portable cassette tape player made and marketed by Sony in the 1980s. And if you don't know what a cassette is, ask your parents or grandparents. Uh, back to the cover art. The scene depicts Chip trying to dodge a large set of disembodied teeth with angry eyes to his right. He is carrying a large yellow key in his left hand while jumping over a void in the floor through which a star field can be seen. Chip is trying to make his way through a large gray maze with white tiles and he has a surprised look on his face. Depicted within the maze, in the foreground and the background are the following items. A pool of blue water, a water trap, a couple of brown blocks of soil, or dirt blocks, a blue tile with concentric squares, and that's an exit square, a large red spherical cherry bomb with a lit fuse, and tongues of flame in the lower left corner, a fire trap. On the right-hand side of the front of the original release carton, is the standard gray vertical band with faux embossed Lynx font X's along the right-hand side that was included on other early Lynx title cartons. The later carton of Chips Challenge does not include this gray band. Instead, the cover art has been zoomed in to fill the larger space, resulting in the bottom of the original artwork, including Chip's left shoe, being cropped out. I have both of these cartons. My copy of the earlier carton of Chips Challenge, the one with the gray band, was sealed when I got it last year from eBay, and it had the curved lip-style cartridge included. And I can probably safely deduce, therefore, that any of the three cartridge styles was included in the earlier carton, with a gray band on the front. I have not unsealed the later release carton without the gray band, and I probably won't do so, as it is NIB. 
but I'd be willing to bet the farm that it includes a curved lip-style cartridge. The world may never know. Finally, across the top third of the front cover artwork is the word CHIPS trademark in large capital green cast crack font lettering. Nestled below that, between the bottom of the C and the S in CHIPS, in capital yellow italicized calculator style font, is the word CHALLENGE. The back of the carton is laid out like this. The background is white. At the top is a small version of the standard gray and black cartouche from the carton front. Below the cartouche is an actual screenshot from the game. Uh, the playfield depicted shows Chip near the center, surrounded by various items and obstacles in the action window of one of the levels. The information window on the right-hand side of the screenshot indicates that the level depicted is number 128. That level is entitled All Full. Also indicated in the information window is the time remaining, 346 seconds, and the chips left to gather, 182. Below the screenshot is a smaller version in the same font styles of the green and yellow title from the front cover of the carton. And below the title are three brief paragraphs. Before Chip can join the Bitbusters computer club and hang out with the girl of his dreams, Melinda the Mental Marvel, he must solve all 144 challenging puzzles. Your bird's eye view can help Chip rush through the puzzles and mazes before he's deleted by monsters, traps, and the passage of time. Show Chip how to use the blocks of soil to overcome water traps and cherry bombs, find keys, and pick up the computer chips which Chip needs to solve some puzzles. Can you help Chip win the cold heart of his one true love and become an official bitbuster? If you can't, no one can. So you see, Chip's challenge is really a love story told in ones and zeros. At the lower left of the back of the carton is the Atari Fuji logo in black. At the bottom center of the carton is the following copyright info. Atari, the Atari logo, and links are trademarks or registered trademarks of Atari Corporation. Chip's Challenge is a trademark of Epics Incorporated, copyright 1989 Epics Inc., and copyright 1989 Atari Corporation Sunnyvale, California, 94089-1302. Finally, at the bottom center of the carton back are the words, All Rights Reserved, Printed in Hong Kong, Made in China. Then, as usual, the official seal of the FBI is depicted on the right bottom of the carton, bracketed at the top by the usual phrase, Winners Don't Use Drugs, and at the bottom with the name William S. Sessions, Director FBI. By the way, in a future episode, I'll have some information about why the FBI Winners Don't Use Drugs messages appear on the backs of most early Atari Lynx cartons, and even on screen in some Lynx games. Now on to the manual. The instruction manual for Chip's Challenge is a stapled, regular-sized booklet in monochrome, measuring the usual 4 and 7 eighths inches high by 3 and 3 quarters inches wide. There are 24 pages in the manual, including the front and back covers. Across the top of the front page of the manual is the standard Atari Lynx logo, outlined as usual in light red, with the Atari Fuji logo bracketing the Lynx logo at the left. Beneath the logo are the words Video Game Manual. Down the right-hand side of the manual is a gray vertical band with faux-embossed Lynx font X's. The remaining cover art is a monochrome version of the carton cover art, with the title Chips Trademark Challenge superimposed over the top of the cover art in the same logo lettering as the front of the carton. Interestingly, the title is rendered in a light pinkish-orange color. The inside of the front cover is blank. The next page includes two paragraphs of boilerplate info about the accuracy of the printed manual, and halfway down the page is the Atari Corporation copyright information. The next page includes the table of contents, 
The page after that, labeled page 1, includes the heading Go Bitbuster. Throughout page 1 and on to the bottom of page 2 are the following paragraphs. Chip will do anything for Melinda the Mental Marvel. More than anything, he wants to join Melinda's exclusive computer club, the Bitbusters. Chip is ecstatic when Melinda sits down next to him in the cafeteria and offers him membership. But not so fast, Chip. Keep your sweaty digits off that Bitbusters t-shirt. Before you can become a card-carrying Bitbuster, you have to do some heavy interfacing with a few interesting puzzles. Melinda will monitor your progress as you enter and work your way through 144 levels of challenging maze-like paths and puzzles. And once you accept the challenge, you can't escape. Monsters, traps, and the ticking of the clock all conspire to delete you before you complete each level. You must ram blocks of soil together to create bridges over water traps, or use them as buffers against cherry bombs. Invisible partitions will impede your progress. Colored keys will open doors that lead to other keys that will open still more doors. To make it through, you must keep puzzle sequences stored in your memory. Most levels have a specific number of chips that you must collect before you can progress to the next level. And sometimes you must snatch those chips from under the very noses of deadly bugs who are just aching to take a bite out of you. Well, Chip, are you still up for the challenge? You just can't get that Bitbusters t-shirt out of your system, can you? Okay, buddy. Make tracks for level one of Chip's challenge. The bottom of page two through page four includes the getting started instructions and the optional game controls. Pages five through seven include playing the game instructions. Page eight includes a schematic of the action window, depicting at least one of most of the items, monsters, and traps that Chip encounters as he progresses through the levels. Page 9 describes the information window, and the bottom of page 9 begins a description of the items and obstacles that Chip will have to encounter during gameplay. Pages 10 through 12 include a list and description of the helpful items that can aid Chip in his quest. Pages 13 through the top half of page 16 list and describe the traps, monsters, and obstacles that will hinder or attempt to hinder Chip during his quest. The bottom half of page 16 through the top half of page 17 includes strategies for playing the game, and the bottom half of page 17 through page 18 includes scoring information. The inside back cover is blank, and finally the back cover is mostly blank, except for the Atari Fuji logo at the bottom with the Atari Corporation copyright information beneath. My copy of the manual includes at the very bottom of the back cover, printed in Hong Kong, then the letters and numbers C398102-028, Revision A. And as far as I can determine, the manual for Chips Challenge released in the United States was available in an English version only. The Atari Lynx Handycast will return after this brief advert. <laughs> Where'd you come from? Don't answer that. What have you got there? Lay's potato chips. Bet you can't eat one. <laughs> That's absolutely absurd. Mmm. <laughs> How toothsome. I'll have another. Oh, no. I said just one. <laughs> so you did. So you did. <laughs> A fiendish maneuver. So you did. <laughs> Lay's potato chips, so light, so thin, so crisp, you can eat a million of them, but nobody can eat just one. Another flavor favorite from Frito-Lay. Delicious.
credits. You know, 10 weeks is an amazing amount of time,、um, you know, to do something like that. And,、mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm famous for saying that it was a 10 week project. <clears throat> I, I may have had like a, a one week head start on that.、Um, I'm not sure the timing on it, but I did do a simple、um, prototype of it on the Apple II in low res graphics just to kind of prevent the, present the idea of the mechanics of it.、Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but the amazing thing, what happened with that, why that actually worked is since it was so late in the development cycle, there were a whole bunch of programmers that were coming off of other Lynx projects. That their, their product was just in test at that point. So I had like an army of people helping me develop content, as well as the testers who were finishing up. They were also available for me as like this army of about 10 testers. So if, if we had not had, if I had not had all that help of this huge number of people backing me up because they were coming free, there's no way we could have done that in 10 weeks. Chip's Challenge was originally created and designed by Chuck Somerville during his time at Epix Incorporated. Epix, of course, was the creator of the handy handheld console that later became the Atari Lynx. Chuck is a well known game designer both for this game and for his work on other Epix titles, notably various ports of Summer Games, Winter Games, and California Games. In addition, he provided assistance on other early Lynx titles Blue Lightning, Electro Cop, Gauntlet the Third Encounter, Zarlor Mercenary, and Gates of Zundokan. You can hear more about Chuck's work, especially as it relates to Chip's Challenge, by listening to the aforementioned interview that I did with him and with Alex Rudis. There's a link to the YouTube video of the interview in the links links in the show notes. Paul Vernon provided the artwork for Chip's Challenge. In addition to this game, Vernon also worked on art for Gauntlet the Third Encounter. Additional artwork was provided by Arthur Koch, who also worked on art and graphics for Blue Lightning, Electrocop, and California Games. Sound and music for Chip's Challenge was provided at least in part by prolific Lynx musician and sound engineer LX or Alex Rudis. Many different people worked on designing levels and providing music, and some music already in the Epix library was also used for some of the levels. I know of at least one tune used in Chip's Challenge that was also used in Gauntlet the Third Encounter, a game that was in development at Epix at the time as Chip's Challenge, and that was originally scheduled as a launch title for the Lynx, but didn't get released until at least six months later. I think I also recognize another tune that might have been used in the 1990 release, Rampage. In any case, Rudis is the musician of record for Chips Challenge, as he is along with Bob Vieira for at least 12 other Lynx games during his time at Epix and at Atari later on. Again, be sure to check out my interview with Rudis and Chuck Somerville for more details about Rudis' work on Chips Challenge. Level design for Chips Challenge was completed by many different engineers and programmers, including Bill Dara. James Donald, who also programmed the BMX segment of California Games, Peter Engelbright, designer of the Lynx Games Gates of Zendokan and Todd's Adventures in Slime World, Victoria Hansen, R.G. Gowdy, Stephen Jungles, who was the level designer for Blue Lightning and a programmer on the Halfpipe segment of California Games, Scott Nelson, Chuck Somerville, and Pete Wearsbicki, who was a programmer on Rampage. Testing for Chips Challenge was done by Dung Dang, Bob Friesen, John McGowan, Tom Schumacher, who was a tester and provider of assistance on Blue Lightning, Electrocop, Xenophobe, and Todd's Adventures in Slime World, 
Cynthia Somerville, Chuck's wife at the time, Glenn Yamakawa, and Robert Zalot. Finally, special thanks for Chip's Challenge were credited to Steve Landrum, Robert J. R.J. Michael, and Dave Needle. Michael and Needle, as my listeners will recall from previous episodes of the Handycast, were former Commodore Amiga engineers who created the original Handy console for Epix that later became the Atari Lynx. The Atari Lynx Handycast will return after this podcast promotion. This is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Do you like Atari? Of course you do. What about the 8-bit computer line? It was one of the best. Well, how about you consider joining Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review the cartridge-based games for Atari's 8-bit computer line. We also review budget games, which are mostly released only in the UK. But that's not all. We also dig up game history, share personal experiences, and perform questionable comedy. You'll get all of that and for free just by listening to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's X-E-G-S, the number 8, bit.com. And when you're done listening, please send us your hate mail, because we really need the feedback so we know someone is tuning in. Playing the game. And, uh, you know, actually, Chuck, my favorite sound effect was after somebody had developed South Pole, which was all ice with a couple of curves in it. Yeah. Basically, and Scott, about- Nelson, Scott Nelson developed that level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and you, you're just out on the ice like. And, and uh, so I remember, <laughs> like, let's see, can I like come up with some sort of looping code? And then, and then I finally just sort of brute forced it and basically composed out something that was designed to like not play back, not loop for something like. 30 seconds or something like oh. that. And then um, on top of that, I kind of went in and agonized and kind of turning little sections of it upside down so it would sound even more random. Um, but uh, yeah, that would actually, uh, Chuck, that's, uh, I go into South Pole occasionally so I can kind of listen to that one sound effect, you know, <laughs> slip around. Chip's Challenge is a series of 144 exciting individually timed puzzles for one player. Each level is unique. The object of the game is to enter and explore each level to determine the solution to the puzzle in order to advance to the next level. Most levels also require a set number of chips, or microchips, to be gathered before advancing. The first eight levels are lesson levels, designed to help the player get used to the mechanics of overcoming obstacles and gathering the chips, and as the player advances to subsequent levels, the puzzles become more difficult and less obvious in their solutions. To begin the game, after installing the Chips Challenge cartridge and pressing the on button, the Chips Challenge title screen appears. This screen starts in silent mode with a green, printed circuit board style background, the title Chips Challenge in dark blue block capital lettering, with white outlines around each letter, appears across the top half of the screen. The lower half includes, using the same lettering, copyright 1989, Epics Incorporated, licensed to Atari Corp. At the top left corner in small letters is CS704, and at the top right corner is PV1741. Chuck Somerville told me that CS refers to his own initials and that PV is undoubtedly Paul Vernon's initials. Vernon provided the artwork, but Chuck didn't know what the numbers referred to. I don't know. It's a mystery. After five seconds of this graphic, the screen goes blank for a few seconds, and then the attract mode begins with the opening music.
this mode includes the same green PCB style background as before, with several blue 8-pin microchips appearing close to the screen individually, then getting smaller as each chip zooms out towards the background. Gradually, the chips begin to spell out the letters C, H, P, and S, taking up the top three-quarters of the screen. The word challenge in dark blue stylized capital lettering then swipes across the bottom quarter of the screen from left to right. Below that in smaller dark blue lettering is copyright 1989 epics incorporated. After these words appear a graphic of chip wearing lime green pants a bright red shirt and blue shoes materializes a la Star Trek. He appears in place of the letter I in Chips. As the white block font credits begin to crawl up from the bottom, Chip stands with his hands in his pockets while flexing his legs up and down as if he's waiting. These credits will continue to roll up on the screen until the player presses the A or B button on the links, whereupon the screen changes to a light purple background with a caption in yellow block capital lettering. The caption reads, Nerdy Chip McCallahan suddenly stops eating lunch. Melinda, the mental marvel, is sitting down next to him. Pressing the A or B button again will erase this caption and replace it with a new one. Melinda smiles. Chip, she says, if you finish the challenge, you can join our computer club, the Bitbusters. The caption on the next screen reads, Chip has been a distant admirer of Melinda for a long time. Chip crunches his bag of pretzels and gulps. I'll do it. These pretzels are making me thirsty. The final screen's caption reads, Please enter the code of the starting level or press fire to begin. Now there's a four-letter field below this caption that indicates the code for level 1, BDHP, in capital lettering. The player can enter any of the 148 four-letter codes to jump to any level or hit the A or B button to enter level 1. Once the level has been selected and the A or B button is pressed, the screen changes. The action window, which is a 9x9 grid on the left two-thirds of the screen, and the information window on the right third of the screen indicating the level, time, and chips left in light blue capital lettering. Across the top of the entire screen in yellow capital lettering is the caption Total Score, followed by a seven-digit numeric field, and across the bottom in the same lettering is the name and four-letter code for the current level. This screen remains static until either the A or B button is pressed, whereupon the top and bottom captions disappear. The timer begins counting down, if there is a timer, and the player can move Chip around the maze to complete the puzzle. When a level is completed, a congratulatory message in yellow block lettering appears across the screen. The player can then press the A or B button to proceed to the next level. Now, a bit about the music in Chip's challenge. No matter which level a player is playing, the music doesn't stop until the level is changed or restarted. And as far as I can determine, including the title screen, there are 15 different musical cues of varying lengths used in Chip's Challenge. These cues, most of them between 30 and 90 seconds in length, loop continuously during each level's gameplay. Obviously, with 148 total levels, all of the cues are reused for many levels, except for the title screen music. 
I've noticed that some of the musical cues may have slightly different arrangements during their reuse in other levels. Helpful items. Well, there are several items in Chip's challenge that can help Chip as he progresses through each level. Note that items found in one level cannot be carried and or used in subsequent levels. Keys open doors, obviously. They come in one of four different colors, red, blue, green, or yellow, and can only open doors of the same color. Exit squares are flashing blue concentric squares that will allow Chip to move on to the next level. They only become unblocked when all of the chips of a certain level have been collected. Dirt blocks are brown and can be used to form bridges over water, to safely explode a bomb, or to block lightning balls or monsters from causing chip harm. Dirt blocks may also be hiding a useful or harmful item underneath them when moved. Trip buttons are colored blocks with a circle inside. These are used to toggle other blocks, clone machines, or other obstacles of the same color. Magnets can neutralize the effects of a force floor or a moving sidewalk, as I call them. Fire shields, a shield-shaped tile with a circle inside, neutralize fire. Enough said. Water shields, a shield-shaped tile with a water drop inside, allow Chip to walk safely over water traps. Cleats, which look like a shoe with spikes on the bottom, allow Chip to travel over ice traps without slipping. Note that magnets, fire shields, water shields, and cleats can be reused continuously throughout the level. <coughs> Obstacles. Well, there are several obstacles in Chip's challenge that can thwart Chip's ability to gather the chips and solve the puzzle in a given level. Force floor traps or moving sidewalks are animated striped floors that allow Chip to go only in one direction. They can be neutralized with the magnet. Fire traps, indicated by a graphic of a set of flames, can block Chip from getting to a certain point in the maze. They can be neutralized with a fire shield. Water traps, indicated by a light blue field with white dots, can also block Chip from getting to where he needs to go to solve a puzzle. They are neutralized by using a water shield or by using dirt blocks to build a bridge across them. Ice traps, indicated by a white floor with gray dots, make walking very slippery for Chip. They are neutralized by cleats. Monsters look like insects and they block Chip's way. There is really no way to neutralize them, so Chip must avoid them. Tanks also block Chip's way, but they can be moved out of the way by using the appropriate trip button, a block with a circle in it. Thieves, which look like disembodied heads, will wipe out Chip's inventory of helpful items such as water shields and cleats. Teleport squares, indicated by a block with a dotted circle inside, can teleport Chip to another part of the maze, depending either on the direction in which he enters it or by random chance. I've a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Toggle blocks, outlined in broken colored lines, toggle given blocks to allow Chip to pass through. Clone machines crank out fireballs, dirt blocks, and other useful or hurtful items. Chip merely touches the clone machine block to create what he needs or to stop a hazard. Blue blocks could be real walls or can be made to disappear when Chip touches them. Finally, one-way walls turn into solid walls once Chip passes through them. The Chip's Challenge Manual lists the following strategies to help Chip get through the levels. Take notes and draw maps of difficult levels. Leave yourself an escape route whenever possible. Timing is crucial on some levels, so use the pause button to give you time to think. If the obvious solution doesn't work, try the bizarre solution. The bizarre will usually pull you through. Another thing to remember is that monsters often move in predictable patterns, and also that many objects affect monsters the same way they affect Chip. 
And finally, if you get stuck in an impossible situation, use the option 1 button to restart the level. And finally, a bit about scoring. There are two different ways to score in Chip's Challenge. On each level, time bonus points and level bonus points combine to give the level score. The level scores are then added as Chip progresses from one level to the next. The level bonus points are based on how many times Chip must repeat a level. 500 points times the level number are awarded if the level is completed on the first try. After that, if Chip dies or the level is restarted, the number of points received is decreased by 20%, with a minimum level bonus of 500 points or 20% of the level number times 500, whichever is greater. And the player also receives 10 time bonus points for each second left on the clock when a level is completed. For untimed levels, the time bonus is always zero. And that's pretty much it for how you play Chip's Challenge. The Atari Lynx Handycast will return after this brief advert. You gonna buy the same old game, boy? Atari Lynx, the portable video arcade. With the biggest screen for full color attraction. Stereo sound and 16-bit action. And more and more games for total satisfaction. Lynx will blow you away. Lynx, more fun and games from Atari. ratings so anyway uh so things sat dormant for like about 20 years and every few years i get a contact somebody would contact me and say we'd like to put your challenge on the iphone or something like that and i said mm -hmm. great go contact bridge uh, see what they say and then they would always come back and say yeah see what your problem is uh, <laughs> but anyway <laughs> what happened was i don't know five to eight years ago i don't remember how it's been a long time ago i got contacted by this guy named barn cleave Mm -hmm. uh, out of London and he said I want to put Chip's Challenge on the iPhone and uh, I got venture capital and I go like oh. well, this first person who said he's got venture capital <laughs> I said okay well I'll go talk to these guys and see what they say and he comes back and says yeah I see the problem <laughs> he said how about we do this let's make a game that's very much like Chip's Challenge um, and we'll give it a new name and then in the description we can say from the designer of Chip's Challenge, mm. so that when they do a search for Chip's Challenge, they'll find it. Mm. And I thought, well, that's a really cool idea. And then he came up with the, the name Chuck's Challenge, mm -hmm. and because like I didn't want to actually say that, and he gave me this little story for how what the the storyline would be that this uh, this alien creature, who's both an alien and he's a game, wants me to. Um, abducts me and wants me to design <laughs> games for him to keep him challenged. So there's this storyline in Chuck's Challenge. I'm sitting on the beach in Hawaii and I get abducted by an alien. And uh, then I'm I'm doomed to design game levels for him. And that's the level <laughs> that you're So uh, I actually appear in my own game. It's really interesting. Generally, the reviews for Chip's Challenge ran from good to excellent. Here are some of the highlights from the reviews I found. Kaita Aida at Atari HQ gave Chips Challenge the following ratings out of 10. For graphics, 7. For sound, 7. For gameplay, 8. And for an overall rating, 8 out of 10. You can find Aida's full review and ratings in the links links in the show notes. 
Veteran writer Robert A. Jung's 1999 review of Chip's Challenge ends with this verdict. The Lynx was originally designed for fast arcade action games, but there's no reason why it can't expand its range. Jung gives the game a rating of 8 out of 10, or great, and his full review is hyperlinked in the Lynx links. In 2000, Dorsola at Jose Q's Emu Views gave Chip's Challenge the following ratings out of 10. For graphics, 7. For sound, 7. For play control, 8. For challenge, 10. For replay value, 10. And for performance, 7. As always, the full review at Emu Views can be found linked in the links links in the show notes. The video game critic summarized his 2004 review of Chip's Challenge this way. Living up to its name, the game offers 144 levels, and if you complete them all without losing your mind, you deserve an honorary college degree. Chip's Challenge was a little too thought-intensive for my arcade sensibilities, but those with a knack for puzzles will eat this up. He only gave the game a subpar grade of C, and his complete review can be found in the links links. Avery Score at GameSpot wrote a review of Chip's Challenge in 2004, saying that While some may find the game repetitive, its complex puzzles and the elegant solutions needed to solve them are very appealing. Under the heading The Good, he included Great puzzles, good variety of puzzles, addictive, accessible, and quick, frequently interrupted play possible. Under the Bad, he included Graphics not spectacular and sound minimal. He gave the game a rating of 8 or great out of 10. Check out the review in the links links in the show notes. Josh Dollins at Defunct Games wrote a review of Chip's Challenge in 2007 that says, in summary, On a handheld that offered very little in the way of quality games, Chip's Challenge is probably one of the best Lynx games that I've played. It's addicting, simple, and will keep you busy for however long you're willing to be kept, and will allow you to waste time on those boring business trips instead of just in the office. If you're a fan of the PC version, as every good human should be, and you've got a lonely Atari Lynx sitting in your closet, Hunt this one down. He gave the game a grade of B, and his review is linked in the links links too. An unidentified reviewer at Dusty Old Games wrote in 2013 about Chip's Challenge, saying, I feel that Chip's Challenge on the links is unfairly overlooked. Most fans of the game remember it from the PC version, which was also very good. While my love of old consoles and cartridge games in general may skew my opinion slightly, I think the links version is actually better and is a must-have for any Lynx owner. Check out the review in the Lynx links in the show notes. And finally, John McQueen, in his 2018 review of Chip's Challenge on AtariGamer.com, gave the game an overall rating of 9 out of 10. Here's his summary. Overall, Chip's Challenge is a defining Lynx puzzler that really got the system on the map early on, and deservedly so. Sure, it looks simple on the screen, and it mightn't appeal to gamers not into puzzlers, but I would advise those gamers to also give this title a go. It's fun, hilarious, taxing, unique, and clean in presentation. If you don't own Chips Challenge, rest assured it's well worth the purchase. Go collect those chips. As usual, you can find a link to his full 2018 review on AtariGamer.com, and a link to that is in the links links in the show notes. Finally, my own review. Well, I gotta say, Chips Challenge is an extremely addictive and fun game. It can get pretty difficult, sometimes even exasperatingly so, as one progresses through the levels, but the just-one-more-time aspect is definitely there. Here's what I like. The gameplay is spot-on, with controls being quick and responsive, even when the action on screen can be maddeningly frantic. 
I like that the game eases the player into the more difficult levels. I also like that although the action in the game is a bit simplistic, there are complex strategies required to master it. At 144 levels, 148 if you count the four bonus levels, this game is deep. Even if one wants to play the game for a short while instead of trying to plow through all the levels at once, one can merely explore random levels using the four-letter cheat codes. I like the simple but easy-to-identify graphics. They convey both the helpful items and the obstacles effectively, especially for playing on a small screen. I also like that there is music in every level, even if some of it may not be very musical. And the sound effects are effective and fun too. Finally, I like the nerdy backstory that gives the game a narration and impetus that any other maze game wouldn't normally have. And here's what I don't like. Not much at all. Chip's Challenge ticks off all the boxes for me and I play it regularly. So here's how many links out of five that I'm giving Chip's Challenge. For gameplay, five links. For graphics, four links. For controls, five. For music, five links. For sound effects, five links. And for my overall rating, 4.8 links out of five. And that wraps it up for reviews for this episode for Chip's Challenge. The Atari Lynx Handycast will return after this brief advert. Today, monsters are everywhere. But in these monstrous times stands one brave man, Cookie Man. Cookie Man, ready to protect your Chips Ahoy cookies from greedy monsters. Chips Ahoy, the 16 chip chocolate chip cookie from Nabisco. Delicious cookies. So when the chips are down, get Chips Ahoy with 16 chips and call for Cookie Man. Of course, he might want your Chips Ahoy for himself. Fun facts and trivia. As I understand, as I remember the way that worked, I was given uh, a library of tunes. Um, I don't know, maybe about 15 or so. <clears throat> and one was made specifically for the title screen, and there might have been one that was made specifically for the menu screen. And right. then another was done for the, the final screen, the EEPROM. And the rest of them were, were just a bunch of pieces of random music. And I basically put them in a loop and assigned them like, you know, a modulo 13 or something like that. So they just played in the order and then started again after however many level, levels they replay, repeated. So I didn't actually match songs to levels because I thought this song played well with that level. Here are some prices on the online auctions. A single loose cartridge of Chips Challenge on eBay. There were six of them sold, ranging in price from $8.17 to $10.49. All of them were from France or the Netherlands, and they averaged $9.03. One of the carts sold in France was a flat-style cartridge, and one from the Netherlands was a ridge-style cartridge. There was one single cartridge manual combo on eBay that sold for $7.50 and one for $7.99, averaging $7.75. Single CIB copies on eBay of Chips Challenge, there were 18 listings sold, ranging in price from $7.38 to $23.33. That was the outlier including one from Italy, one from Germany, one from the Netherlands, and two from the UK, all of them averaging $12.20. For loose cartridges sold in a lot on eBay, there was one loose cart sold with a loose cart of Lynx Casino, and both of them together were $21.21. For cartridge manual combos sold in a lot on eBay, there was one sold with a cartridge manual combo of Electrocop. Both were ridged-style cartridges, which sold together for $29. And for CIB copies sold in a lot on eBay, there was one NIB copy sold with NIB copies of six other Altari Lynx titles, 
all for $118.70. Pricecharting.com averages $8.74 for a loose cartridge, $9.47 for a CIB copy, $11.46 for a new copy of Chip Challenge, $2.41 for the manual only, and $3.86 for the carton only. Digital Press does not provide a value for Chip's Challenge. RarityGuide.com gives Chip's Challenge a value of $14 for a new inbox copy and $6 for a complete inbox copy, $3 for a loose cartridge. There are some prices at other retailers too for Chip's Challenge. I checked BNC Computer Visions. The price lists systems at BNC crashed on August 3rd, 2018. I'll update the info on the Handicast website once they've got them restored. Best Electronics is selling CIB copies of Chip's Challenge for $14.95 and loose cartridges for $9.95, but keep in mind that the price list has not been updated since May 31st, 2018, so they may be out of stock by now. The Gamesman in Australia didn't have any copies of Chip's Challenge for sale. The Goat Store has NIB copies of Chip's Challenge on sale for $14.94. Telegames in the UK has copies of Chip's Challenge for sale at £8.33 or $10.72 US. They do not specify whether it's a loose cart, a cart manual combo, or a CIB or NIB copy though. And finally, Video 61 and Atari Sales is selling NIB copies of Chip's Challenge for $24.95. Let's move on to Rarity. Atari Age gives the flat style cart of Chip's Challenge a rarity score of 4 out of 10, which is scarce. Scarce cartridges are those that you don't find in every pile, but you will find them often enough. Although you may have trouble tracking down every scarce cartridge initially, you can eventually get them all. Atari Age gives the ridged style cart of Chips Challenge a rarity score of 5, which is rare. You don't see these every day, unless you're really lucky. We're just getting into the rare territory, and you will probably have to do some trading or online buying to acquire all these cartridges. Expect to pay in the $10 to $20 range on the collector market for these titles. And finally, Atari Age gives the curved lip style cartridge of Chips Challenge a rarity score of 2, which is common plus. Almost as ubiquitous as common, but may vary slightly from collector to collector. Even beginning collectors can find almost all of these without much difficulty. AtariGamer.com gives the flat style cartridge of Chips Challenge a rarity score of 29 out of 100, which is common. A little harder to find and starting to get some value. Atari Gamer gives the ridged style cartridge of Chips Challenge a rarity score of 36 out of 100, which is uncommon. Starting to get difficult to find, but still accessible. And finally, Atari Gamer gives the curved lip style cartridge of Chips Challenge a rarity score of 21 out of 100, which is common. A curved lip style cartridge of Chips Challenge in a carton without the gray vertical band on the front cover is a little rarer, getting a rarity score of 21, which is uncommon. Digital Press gives Chips Challenge a rarity score of R1. These are the items you can find or buy anywhere. When you find a bunch of games, these will be in the pile. And finally, RarityGuide.com gives a rarity score of 45% out of 100 to Chips Challenge. Here are the recorded high scores for Chips Challenge. There were no entries submitted for high scores on actual hardware for Chips Challenge in Highscore.com. In emulation, however, there were several scores. 32,410 by Tracy Poff in Hamlin, West Virginia in 2015. And 4,880 by S. Baz in Eugene, Oregon in 2014. There were no scores submitted on Twin Galaxies for Chips Challenge, either on real hardware or in emulation. The Atari Age High Score Club... 
2015 Round 1 lists these high scores. Jeremiah JT with 102,740, Darth Kerr with 93,920, Mr. Bland with 49,890, Dr. Clue with 24,230, Roadrunner with 23,750, Nikon with 19,770, and Jay Blinkle with 3,050. Finally, I'll talk a little bit about some cheats, hints, and Easter eggs. The four-letter entry codes for each level of Chips Challenge can be found on pages 20 through 23 of the Atari Lynx Hint Book, published by Atari in 1993 for Lynx game developers. Also in the same book is a special chapter about the Mandelbrot Set Fractal Generator Easter Egg. You can find a link to the PDF of the book in the Lynx links in the show notes. And I definitely recommend that you check out the Mandelbrot set. It takes a while for it to load, but it is extremely interesting to look at. Also in 1990, Jamie Villacourt posted 44 pages of incredibly extensive notes, maps, and diagrams on Atari Age about how to solve each and every level of Chip's Challenge. I don't want to spoil the gameplay for any of my listeners by talking about any of the solutions here on the podcast, but I have posted a link to a PDF of the notes in the links links in the show notes. So take a look at them if you get stuck on a certain level. And that's it for fun facts and trivia for Chip's Challenge. The Atari Lynx Handycast will return after this brief advert. Thursday, the chips are flying. This is high noon, and this is the last showdown. Okay, girls, put your little robies on and get into your car. C-18, unit C-18. Catch all the action on chips Thursday at 8, 7 Central and Mountain. Right before James at 16. Listen to feedback. I, I did, um, I don't know, I think about three or four of the level pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, may have been a fifth one. Uh, we, uh, you know, as Chuck said, the game came along kind of late in the dev cycle. Right. And um, so we did took some rather odd uh, uh, shots of trying to provide background music. So uh, as I explained to you earlier, I, I it gave me an opportunity to experiment with things like uh, stuff that would deliberately be composed of little tiny bits that would go in and out of phase. And uh, I actually even installed a um, a transcription of a Lithuanian folk song that I found sheet music for on there. But uh, it, it, Chip's Challenge was cool because it just gave us this opportunity uh, to dump a whole bunch of just wildly different stuff in. And, uh, you know, each level is like literally a different world. I did have a few Facebook comments and messages about Chip's Challenge. Luis Pabon wrote... Man, I love this game so much. Got stuck at 140 for a year. And Bill Kendrick also wrote, I asked my 11-year-old if he'd like to record something to submit to the show since he loves Chip's Challenge. He said no. Sorry, I tried. Oh, that's okay, Bill. Thank you very much. Over on Twitter, Lewis at Lewis Gorenfeld wrote, That is my number one favorite Lynx game. Followed. Followed. Thanks so much, Lewis. I really appreciate it. And Emily, Aspartame Queen, CHM Emily, at Very Cool Emily, wrote, On the first episode of the Atari Lynx Handicast, the host lays out his goals for the podcast, and one is to convince every listener, here in the year 2018, to buy an Atari Lynx, and I think that is endearing in its wild ambition. Thank you, SMB Ryan, for recommending this podcast. Well, those are very kind words, Emily, and I really appreciate the shout-out. Uh, by the way, Emily, have you gotten an Atari Lynx yet? Please let me know. 
Over on the website, I did get one comment. I received a comment on the Atari Lynx Handicast.net website about the Chuck Somerville LX Rudis interview episode, and I got that comment from Bobby Idod Moore, who wrote, Wonderful interview. Thank you, Mark, for doing this for us. And thanks, too, to Chuck and LX for agreeing to be quizzed. It's very much appreciated. I spent the entire time playing Chip's Challenge while listening. Well, thank you so much, Bobby. And I really am glad that you enjoyed listening to the interview as much as I did moderating it. And I hope to have more interviews in the future, so keep checking back, please. I did receive an email from Eugenio, also known as TrekMD on Twitter and Atari Age, about Chip's Challenge. Here's what he wrote. Hello, Mark. I hope all is well. Just finished listening to the Xenophobe episode, and I wanted to make sure I submitted feedback for Chip's Challenge since you said to send it in ASAP. So, without further ado, here's my feedback for the game. Chip's Challenge finds the player controlling the titular character, Chip, who must solve 144 puzzles to impress Melinda the Mental Marvel and join her exclusive computer club, Bitbusters. The puzzles are seen from the top, and you must pick up chips in order to reach the exit. The early mazes are fairly easy, but as you advance, things get harder and challenges in the form of bombs, monsters, slides, traps, and portals appear. But not everything is a challenge as certain items, such as keys and cleats, actually help you advance in the game. Each puzzle must be solved within a certain amount of time and will require some logical thinking to solve. The good thing is that the game gives you a password for every level you complete, so you can return at that exact point. In fact, you can also retry any level that you fail as many times as needed, and you can also skip levels if you get frustrated. Unfortunately, moving to the next level just means that you'll be going into a harder puzzle. Visually, the game is colorful with nice graphics and decent animation. There are many different musical cues and sound effects work well. Chip's Challenge lives up to its name and can be a true challenge, but it can certainly be fun, particularly for anyone who likes puzzle games. Going to the final frontier, gaming, Eugenio. Well, thank you very much, Eugenio. All of your points and observations about Chip's Challenge are spot on, and I really appreciate that you share them. And one day you must tell me how you came up with your closing catchphrase, going Going to to the the final final frontier, frontier. gaming. Cheers, Eugenio. To infinity and beyond! I received three audio submissions for Chip's Challenge. I received an audio submission from Curtis, known as Cujo, on Twitter. Here are his thoughts on Chip's Challenge. Cujo's handicast cameos continue. How's wordy? Um... But if I may, let me handle a little bit of business right quick. I'm enjoying this victory lap known as the Lynx Handicast as much as the next person. Uh, But it also brings me to a conundrum, really. And that is, uh, gaming is a culture. And quite possibly the secret society within that culture is Atari Lynx gamers. I mean, think about it. Very few people had one. Even less people really sunk their teeth in. But here we are. So it meant something. If you find this podcast uh, later, maybe after it's over, send some audio to Mark. Uh, you know, force him to make a, a clip show or something. Because I want to hear people talk about the links. Uh, only a couple people have dropped audio. And I know there's people that have memories about where and when they played it. I mean, the bottom line is you're not going to be links Illuminati unless you drop some audio on this podcast. The only links podcast. Think about it. But I'm here to talk gaming, uh, specifically Chip's Challenge. And if you recall, back in Electrocop, I was selling that the Lynx was woke. (laughs) I'm back. Uh, But to be honest, 
Uh, let's talk just a little bit of numerology. Chips challenge, CC, that's 33. I'm not going to go there. But uh, I will go Melinda Mental Marvel. That's three M's, that's three threes. That's transcendent. You're not going to beat that. And you're probably not going to beat Chip's Challenge as a puzzler, really. Uh, the vibrant elemental colors that were on you, the uh, whimsical music that, that got you from level to level, uh, the keys, you know? Ultimately, Chip's Challenge is a game about getting a girl. How hard were you trying to impress her? How hard were you studying? Were you up for the challenge? What a great game. Well, thank you so much, Curtis, for your thoughts on Chip's Challenge. I, like you, find that there's no better puzzler for the Lynx, or, dare I say it, on any other system of the day. I would also like to thank you sincerely for describing the Atari Lynx Handicast as a victory lap. It does my heart good, not to mention my ego. And really, let me reiterate your point that, among the potent collective known as gamers, Lynx gamers are quite possibly the exclusive cult within. And for that reason, I will echo your call to arms for feedback, specifically audio feedback, for the Atari Lynx Handicast. I know there are thousands of Lynx owners out there whom I know have insightful opinions about the games I'm covering on this journey, but they have yet to let their voices be heard, literally. I'll just leave that invitation lying right there. And as always, your feedback, Curtis, audio or otherwise, is always welcome. I really appreciate it. I also received an audio submission from Wade of the Inverse Ataski podcast. Let's hear what he has to say about Chip's Challenge. So you want some feedback on Chip's Challenge. What can I say about Chip's Challenge that hasn't been said by others? I'm not sure I have anything technically tangible to add, and we all know that opinions are alike. Stop. You cannot say that. But everyone does have one, except me. Oh, sorry about that. Okay, here's my opinion. This game introduced me to puzzle games in a way that no other had before it. I remember picking this game up on sale, thinking it would be for times when I didn't have a lot of time to play. You know, those super casual occasions when you only have a few minutes. What I didn't know is that it was a time vampire in and of itself. After playing the first few levels, I couldn't get enough of this little gem. Between Chips Challenge, California Games, and Checkered Flag, and Toki, that pretty much tied up my playtime with the Lynx. It looks like you like the Sea Games. I became so infatuated with this game, I made a notebook of careful notes on how to complete each level. I would also get the Windows version on the PC several years later and play through it all over again. But by that time, I no longer had the notes, so it was like playing new. I now have it for the Atari ST, and I'm playing through it again. And, again, without the notes from before, so it's, again, like playing new. As I've been playing through it on the ST, there are a few levels that pop an oh yeah reminder in my head, but I don't immediately recall how to complete them, so it's still a challenge. I keep waiting for an iOS version. I did play the Chuck's Challenge that was released for the iOS, but it wasn't quite the same draw. And I do think this is a great game overall, and although the instant replayability may not be there, it does stand up to the long-term replayability. Thanks, Mark. Well, thank you very much, Wade, and thanks to Allison. I now know that, except for Toki, you are apparently a big fan of Lynx games that begin with the letter C. California Games, Checkered Flag, and Chip's Challenge. What about Crystal Mines 2? I find that game to be a lot of fun myself. 
Or how about the later release titles, Championship Rally, Crystal Mines 2 Buried Treasure, or Cyber Virus? Or the unreleased title, Cabal? Now, I do agree that Chip's Challenge is more than just a pick-up-and-play title. It's a very involving puzzler that can be deceivingly addictive if you're not careful, which is why you called it a time vampire. That's a great phrase, by the way. I'd never heard that term before. I always use the phrase time sink or time vortex or time whirlpool or time vacuum to describe activities that suck up all of my spare time. I think I'll start using time vampire, though, from now on. Finally, you mentioned that you had a notebook back in the FERG in which you recorded how to get through each and every level. Wow, I really wish you still had it. Homemade documentation about games of the past, such as cheats, high scores, and even maps, always interests me. It's a shame that you don't still have it. Maybe look around a little bit more? Anyway, Wade, I really appreciate your audio submission. Please keep up the great work on the Inverse Atasky podcast, and I'll see you soon. Finally, I did receive a brief audio submission from Shinto of the Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast. Here's what Shinto said about his experience with Chip's Challenge. We intentionally held off on buying Chip's Challenge. There is no interest whatsoever. Why Why would I want to play a nerd in a video game when I'm already a nerd in real life? Where's the escapism? Plus, it looked lame and uninteresting, especially when compared to flashy games on the links like Blue Lightning and Electrocop. But I read something which changed my mind. I don't remember where and the when I can only narrow down to sometime during Lynx's lifespan. It could have been a magazine, maybe EGM. It wasn't an article about Atari, but an interview with someone. And it mentioned Chip's Challenge as being one of this guy's favorite games. Chip's Challenge? That dull-looking nerd game? Really? Huh. I found it at a used video game store around 1995, give or take a year. It was just a loose cart, the flat style, and slightly chewed. Something chewed on the end of this thing. There were definite teeth marks. Maybe Atari should have applied the same nasty coating that Nintendo uses on their Switch cartridges to make them unpalatable. Hindsight. The game works, though, and... You know what? It's really fun. I totally underestimated... Chip's Challenge, starting at the title screen with Chip's little nerd dance to another iconic musical score on the links. You know, I thought Alex Rudis did all these, but after listening to your interview, Mark, uh, excellent interview, by the way. Thank you so much for setting that up and sharing it. After that interview, it's clear that I haven't been giving Bob Vieira enough credit. The hidden Mandelbrot generator in Chip's Challenge is pretty nifty. I remember messing around with that. I had previously played with Mandelbrot images on my computer, my 386, and before I added a math coprocessor, it was very slow to build these. The Lynx was about the same speed, if I remember correctly, albeit at a much lower resolution. It's actually been many years since I really sat down to play Chip's Challenge, so I don't remember how far I've really gotten in the game, but this is a fantastic little puzzle game. It's perfectly suited to the handheld format and is both fun and challenging. What more could you want? Well, besides fewer teeth marks, I guess. So you're a nerd, huh? Never would have guessed it, Shinto. I will say that I'm glad that you revisited Chip's Challenge. I think that generally speaking, puzzlers and puzzle games, especially ones with mazes, maybe get short shrift in the world of video gaming. Perhaps the only puzzler I can think of that has transcended the genre well enough to be well-known outside the gaming community might be Tetris on the Game Boy, but Chuck Somerville's little game that could really performs well, stacked up against just about any other puzzler on any other platform, and I'm really happy that you agree. 
Finally, thank you for your generous praise about the Chuck Somerville LX Rudis interview episode. As you probably know by now, I had a ton of fun talking to both gentlemen, and I'm heartened to know that many of my listeners, yourself included, enjoyed listening to it. Anywho, cheers to you for sending me an audio submission, Shinto. I really appreciate it. And listeners, take note, Shinto has just posted his latest episode on the Jaguar Game by Game podcast. This one covers the game Flip Out. Please be sure to check it out. Well, that about covers listener feedback for Chip's Challenge. Wrapping it up. Okay, everyone, that's about it for the Atari Lynx title, Chip's Challenge. I really hope you all enjoyed my coverage of this addictive game. And again, don't forget to check out the entire interview with Chuck Somerville and Alex Rudis in the first ever interview episode of the Handicast. You can find it listed in the same place you found this episode. And the YouTube video of the interview is posted in the links links in the show notes. In the next episode of the Atari Lynx Handicast, I will be covering the game that allowed more players to play together via the Comlinks cable than any other, Todd's Adventures in Slime World. So if you have any feedback for episode 10, Todd's Adventures in Slime World, please try to get that feedback submitted to me as soon as possible so that I can include it in the episode. You can just listen to the ending credits of this episode where Monty will tell you how and where to submit it. And episodes of the Handicast coming up after Todd's Adventures in Slime World are episode 11, Zarlor Mercenary, episode 12, Clax, episode 13, Warbirds, episode 14, Kicks or Quicks, and episode 15, Basket Brawl. Join me then, won't you? Until then, keep, keep linksing. Leaving so Thanks are in order for the Free Music Archive, which allows for the song 8-Bit Core by Tagirigus to be used as the opening and closing theme music for the Atari Lynx Handicast under the Creative Commons license. The Free Music Archive also allows for the following songs and artists to be used in this episode. Worm War by Poddington Bear. I would also like to thank Ferg of the Atari 2600 Game by Game podcast, Shinto of the Atari Jaguar Game by Game podcast, and Zerbi of the many Zerbinator Land podcasts, including the excellent Please Stand By podcast. The help and inspiration that Ferg, Shinto, and Zerbi have provided in my brief podcasting experience are invaluable to me, and I really appreciate it. Finally, I would also like to give my heartfelt thanks to my beautiful wife, Lizzie. She has put up with me and with this strange podcasting thing with the patience of a saint, and I could never fully repay her, but I will definitely try. That's nudge, snap, snap, grin, grin, wink, wink, sign them all. The Atari Lynx Handicast is a proud member of the Throwback Network. You can listen to all of the great retro-themed podcasts on the network, including this one, by visiting throwbacknetwork.net. Episodes of the Atari Lynx Handicast can be found on Apple Podcasts. Please take time to leave a review of the Atari Lynx Handicast on Apple Podcasts so that other interested listeners can easily find the Handicast. You can also find the Atari Lynx Handicast on Stitcher, on Google Play Music, and on TuneIn. While you're at it, 
Be sure to check out the Artari Lynx Handicast website at artarilynxhandicast.net. All of the episodes can be found there, including show notes and a list of upcoming episodes. And you can visit the Artari Lynx Handicast blog page at artarilynxhandicast.blogspot.com. Also, you can subscribe to the Artari Lynx Handicast on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash Handicast. And you can follow the Artari Lynx Handicast on Twitter. Just search on Twitter for Lynx Handicast. Finally, you can send Mark Little an email and let him know what you think about any episode of the Artari Lynx Handicast. You can also provide your own feedback about any Artari Lynx games. And you can even suggest future topics or possible interview subjects to future episodes. Or you can just simply say, hi. Just write to him at, mark, at, artarilynxhandicast.net. Thank you, for listening to this episode, of the Artari Lynx Handicast. This is Montague Habersham, wishing you a good evening. Thanks for keeping the keeping the history alive. Um, the stuff is still fun, even though it's old, and I'm really glad you guys recognize that. Okay, thank you, Chuck. And how about you, Alex? I'd have to say the same thing. Um, you know, I mean, I... Uh, when I first encountered this and, um, you know, uh, found myself working on this machine, I mean, I was still sort of thinking I was heading other places. And uh, hmm. it's been rather interesting to see how uh, this is still something which, well, as you did tonight, you know, when people reach out, I mean, it's pretty gratifying to, to do something and discover that it actually is still giving somebody fun decades later. I mean, you can't aspire to much more than that. The Atari Lynx Handicast is made possible by a grant from the Telesearch Group and by the generous support of listeners like you. Thank you.